my neighbor Gengar. Stop it. <laughs> no inside jokes. I'm here now. Play Sorry. Francine Pokemon is 20 years old. Oh yeah. If you haven't, if you haven't I learned, know. I don't know what to tell you. I did hear that on the way in on NPR. Well, <laughs> then my daughter was like geeking out over different characters. I was like, I don't know these people. She's they're not people, mom. I can't do it the way she does because I can't do my. I don't care enough. <laughs> I guess that's what it is. You know how you had that indignant, passionate, youthful energy. I don't, I don't care. Well, I mean, like, that that generally gets beat out of you once yeah, you like um, hit really like twenty five and older. I didn't. They'd have to be out of me. I gave it up willingly. I was like, how much? How much I can didn't. I get for this? <laughs> I didn't. Life beat that shit out of me. I'll tell you right now. I did not. That was a fight. That was a knockdown, drag out fight. <laughs> Because I refuse to give up my my youthful, indignant energy. Indig indignant energy. And uh, right. eventually my body was like, nah, bro, we, we got to be done. I'm a quiet protester these days. I just don't put my money on stuff. So. Welcome back to Recap, the podcast where we talk about some of the latest news featured on our social media pages and beyond. We try to find the news that matters most to our voters. And we encourage our legislators to not only listen, but to also act on what they hear. I'm your usual host, Joshua Hyde, and with me today are the boss lady of Pointcast herself, Francine. Hello, Josh. The greatest writer of all time, Anthony Arnold. And the <laughs> most venerated professor, Alexander Crohanan, also known as Professor X. I'm gonna I'm gonna find like 50 million different ways to say your name. Crohanan. 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 <laughs> so I uh, say, so, uh, um, so I play this game, uh, say, uh, especially with my wife, where like there'll be a word and I'll look at it and go, "What's the most obnoxious, like most offensive way of saying this word?" <laughs> Me and my wife do that. Like, I say, so like you know, so the word is banana, and it's like banana. so banane. And it's like, what's the most offensive? This. You know, I got nervous when you said, there's this game I play with my wife. First and off. I was just like, okay. Francine. I? I didn't know. This is not that kind of podcast. This whole know. episode needs a trigger warning. That's my thing now. You should have seen the one you time me and my wife did it. And we, we found a way. Stop it. Like, we found day. a way. <laughs> 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 but night, night. I but love no. it. Uh, Say, apple. Apple. An apple a day keeps the joke tore away. I hate. Uh, so, uh, our favorite, our favorite was receipt. Guess how my wife decided to say the word receipt? Recipit. Recipita. 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 No, you're adding. You're adding an extra. You're adding. No. No, you're adding. You're adding letters. Not allowed. No, it's there. It's there in the PT. It's recipita. You just. You just giving the some love to the bata part. The bata doesn't get any love. You go with the hard C for some real nonsense. Recipita. Recept. Recipita. Recept. Recipita. Recipita. I'll take the recipita, please. For two hundred. Recyped. Recyped. Exactly. Oh my gosh. That sounds like a never mind. Anyway, uh, let's <laughs> uh, as as I've stated before, this last batch of episodes has been uh, covering some things that we have recently shared 
on our social media. But today I wanted to take a bit of a different step and highlight some of the things that we share on our website. Because as you know, we have pointcast.news. We share a lot of our things there. That's where a number of you go to find our uh, our fun little show called Recap. However, we share articles there too. Some of the articles written by members of the Pointcast team themselves. Today, I wanted to highlight one that I thought was incredibly interesting from our boss lady herself, Miss Francine. Called A History of Why Society's Created Prisons. As always, we're going to try to make sure that you have access to the article itself along with this episode. That way you can give it a quick read before you listen to this or at least sometime after. This is my general spiel to say, read the article, then at least come back to this section of the episode. That way we can further the discussion of it. Because again, I'm not going to rehash the article in and of itself. It's worth its own read. I want to take the kind of main premise of the article and expand upon it, as it were, just to kind of give some additional lip service here. So criminal justice has always been a part of the American system of government. The end of all of those roads has always led to prison. I want to take a second to highlight the article written by the illustrious Francine uh, on the history of those prisons. But first, Alex, (laughs) That pause is so all much right. more pronounced than I remember. Uh, it, it was. Yeah. Um, all you, right. told me, you told me that you were bothered that I kept putting you last. And so since I introduced you last, I thought I'd give you first crack at the the pre-show. Alex, you don't uh, have to stand but, but I don't want to say, but I don't want to go first in the rotation. I want to be listed first. Beggars can't be too. <laughs> <laughs> what did I just post? Stay ready. Oh my God. <laughs> you don't have to he get really ready. literally just pulled it up. All right. Okay. So, um, anyone familiar with, uh, uh, American politics, especially like, American like factional politics might be aware like familiar with like the two sides that appear to be very similar uh like, say like I like, have a lot of very same positions but then like s- like slit each other's throats and like go into like a, a really bad like big beef over like really minor differences mm. yeah mm, yeah this has historically been like the trademark move of the left and just circular <laughs> firing squad. How dare you not know, like not rec- think that this thing is just as important or more important than your thing. But today, we get to watch the right do it. We get to watch the, the cons form a circular firing squad amongst yes. themselves. So for though, without any further delay, uh, we'll, we'll get to talk about it. Louder with Crowder. <laughs> Steven Crowder had, I'll say, uh, was looking for, I'll say, okay, has started a public feud with the Daily Wire. Ben, you know, say Ben Shib- uh, say Daily Wire being the the say among like the it, it was one of those media organizations that came out like with you know, say at the same time uh, around the same time as like the Blaze yeah uh, and uh, say and we're trying to like be like say be a much more palatable more respectable Breitbart mm-hmm. like we wanna we wanna kind of bridge this gap between like mainstream conservatism um, we're gonna be like the Fox News but like of the digital space. Okay. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, so this includes people like, you know, Ben Shapiro, um, 
Candace Owens has joined recently. Mm. Uh, who are the, I say, Anthony? You know who are the other people in this on this for the, group for the Daily Wire? Yeah, I the, actually don't know. I try to avoid anything. Oh, I mean, I I can't blame you. I know Shapiro and Owens, and I'm like, I've seen more than enough. Yep, <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> that is that is my thought on the matter as well. Um, Matt Walsh, it's another one. Oh, okay. yeah. So, not, yeah. making, not making the case any No, better. no, 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 no. Okay, all right. So, um, apparently there was a negotiation uh, between uh, Steven Crowder and the Daily Wire, in which case uh, they were say was to negotiate. Uh, his show was going to join the Daily Wire uh, Entertainment, and they were going to offer him a pitiful $50 million a year. Oh, sorry, well, over four years. So oh, you can figure that out. Yeah. Um, and he called and say, and uh, Crowder uh, responded to this uh, contract uh, by going on his show and talking about this has to stop. The name of the name of the, the say, and he's just like, you can't say we can't be uh, we can't be beholden to big tech. And there are other people in this say in this community in the I say who claim to be with us and claim to you know fight against the liberal hegemony that's ruining America mm-hmm. and they're I say but they're liars they they're actually in on it and uh, they they are in cahoots they're in bed with big tech and they want to make people slaves mm-hmm. they want to make wage slaves um, so. What say so? What is what's Crowder actually upset about? Well, you see, there there are two clauses in the in in the in this contract the Daily Wire offered him that he took great umbrage with. Great umbrage. Great umbrage. (laughs) Specifically, um, they say that it said that if you if you were ever demonetized. Or say like suppose say uh, or something major happened with the, say with your let's say with your content and you lost fifty percent of your revenue, fifty percent of your adver- advertisers pull out. We reserve the ability to reduce your to reduce your payment like your your fee your speaker fee, mm-hmm. and we can reduce it up to twenty five percent. If you lose. Yeah. 50% of your revenue. Okay. We will only reduce your payment by 25%. And he said, this is slavery. Slavery. This. <laughs> oh, that's This slavery. puts you in bed with big tech because it tells the left that if they boycott us and if they make us, they make a large enough stink that we will cave and you will pay me less money. Slavery. Slavery, just like it. Wow! Oh well, yeah, clearly, famously. So clearly. the Daily Essay, not never one to take anything lying down. The Daily Wire, uh, let's say, um, specific, uh, the uh, I believe he's the owner, Mr. Boring. Yeah, that's yes, that's that's a real name. Yeah, um, went online. or say took to the Daily Wire's online resources and read the contract out loud. Line by line, verse by verse, and explaining in reason and actually pretty reasonable detail what each of these lines meant. Engrossing content, I'm sure. Engrossing content, I'm sure. <laughs> wow. uh, so this is cause say um, uh, 
as I say, uh, Steven Crowder then responded to this by going back on his show and playing a live, I say, a recording of some of the of some of the discussion about about uh, about the contract, and like very clearly, like he was setting them up, and he recorded them without their like without their knowledge. To which Candace Owens res- uh, responded with. That's a bitch move, Steven. I thought we were friends. We were all in this together. And this is just a bitch move. It's great. She called him a socialist. Said somebody should pray for him. (laughs) And just recently, Alex Jones has also weighed in on this debate. Okay, the slave contract. Okay. On the side of white knighting Steven Crowder. Saying that he's right, that uh, that really the Daily Wire is funded by, I say, is funded by billionaires, and they're all, and all the billionaires are on the same side, and not protecting the common man, and also, they've got that Jew, oh, that Jew, ben, referring to Ben Shapiro, right. ben Shapiro of course. Right, yeah. Um, so that. It's happening, guys. Yes. So this is interesting. Um, obviously, I don't get the whole slavery. Con- Every time someone's doing badly, they want to point to something in history that they at first said wasn't all that bad. But anyway, I'm just going to forget about that. <laughs> um, but the the premise that he's talking about isn't exactly wrong. For instance, if your audience is thrown off by a k-pop group let's say (laughs) who takes aim at your viewership or something or whatever that works and and you don't have an audience yeah it will affect his 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 audience his reach but it's really just it sounds like it's just about money it just sounds like he wants more money oh well so uh and say um he apparently maybe he doesn't want to get less money well so he apparently uh, i say he he his agent Apparently did counter offer to this contract because yeah. that would be the normal adult That's thing to do. That's what I was thinking. Why didn't he counter? You would just counter offer and say, "I don't like these provisions. I don't like these percentages. Can we like? Can we? Is there room to like to you know to just suss them out?" Yeah. But he counter offered and said, "130 million. <laughs> oh, oh. I mean, just <laughs> just go from five to one hundred and thirty. Just shoot your shot, I guess. Yeah." <laughs> So a realistic okay. counter would have probably been if it's five million, I would have asked for seven, and I would have asked for fifteen percent instead of twenty-five. Let's get to know each other over the next four years, and the next four years is going to be a crazy. I'm going hard, but I don't know. I wasn't on the negotiation team. So I say. Wow. So this has led wow. to uh, the very. I say now. Additionally, um, now Crowder has uh, now. I say has then has since then. Encouraged his fans to sign up to his email list and promised aid in building, wait for it, a competitor to the Daily Wire with an independent network of conservative online content. But he's going to be the exact same way. But he wants to. But it wants to. Exp- yes. No. Exactly. Yes. It's not like he wants to do anything. It's. But his is going to be better. Obviously. He, this uh, is a quote he said. I guess I deserve to pay millions, and I deserve to be paid millions and millions and millions of dollars, <laughs> whether my show drives the revenue or not. How is that business? Ah. What? Now I'll say. <laughs> uh, I, I'm happy you asked. Ben Shapiro said, 
Uh, it's very, I say, I'm not, I say, uh, Steven is a friend of mine. We've been close personal friends for several years now. And, uh, from his actions, it's very obvious. Steven okay. understands, I say, doesn't understand three things, friendship, <laughs> dignity, or business. And I have to give I'm a correction. Some, I'm, I'm paraphrasing was, a little bit. I have to give a correction. Boring stated that that was what Stephen stated. Uh, so wonderful. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. I'm I'm just kind of lost on the fact that the leader of the Daily Wire's last name is Boring. Boring. That's just yes, yes, Mr. Boring. Just like how the the, the new president of Nintendo of America is Bowser. Like I just like, <laughs> right. It's it's really hard to just like be that. Or it perfect. could be Boring. Why are we doing this? <laughs> <laughs> guys, 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 it's Bowring. This, Bo this is not a new bit. Okay. <laughs> You're not doing this. <laughs> this is not a new bit. Okay, well, executive power is going to shut this down now. <laughs> Meet the new bit. It's the same as the old bit. We're going to go ahead and just move on. I'm, I'm going to take the ball and pass it over to Anthony. Thank you. Thank you. So, polls. Yes, we're doing a poll. Yeah, we're doing All a poll. Right. We're doing a poll. Nope. Bahrain. Nope. Nope. Nothing. Okay. Nothing from the peanut gallery. All right. It's Not pole. yet. It's pronounced pole. 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 Paul. 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 It's a different word. <laughs> <laughs> like to cast a pole. That's a different word. <laughs> what are we doing? Seatbelts, according to various Seat sources, belts. are said to save lives in fatal accidents because of this. 49 of the 50 states have seatbelt restriction laws. The only state to not have such laws is the state of New Hampshire. In 2020, there were 35,766 fatal motor vehicle crashes in the United States. What? Yes. Mm. Cars are still dangerous. In which 38,824 deaths occurred. I don't know if cars will ever not be dangerous. Nope. The fatality rate was highest in Mississippi at 25.4 deaths per 100,000. The lowest fatality rate was in both the state of New York and Washington, D.C. at 5.2 deaths per 100,000. One of the lowest rates was also in New Hampshire at 7.5, a state with no seatbelt laws. In the balance of total accidents, while seatbelt laws may save lives, the construction of other safety vehicles, safety features, and devices also save lives. Seatbelt requirements have long been considered an infringement on personal liberties, and was pushed heavily as an exception to this infringement because it was purported to be a lifesaver. But with the majority of states having higher fatality numbers than the only state with no laws, it causes one to wonder if we have attributed too much of the saving of lives to seatbelts. So, with possibly the exception of restraining children under a certain weight or age and animals, should seatbelt laws no longer exist? Who would like to go first? I will go first. I will... Take my time. Go first. I, I was gonna, but okay, you can. No, they. Uh, no, no, we should not get rid of them. Yes, they should exist. I. That is it. My entire answer is they should exist. <laughs> literally, <laughs> the entirety of my answer. No, we shouldn't get rid of them. Yes, they should exist. Full stop. Yep. <laughs> um. So I, I'm pretty confident. Whenever you originally posted this in the Slack channel, I said something, and my. I don't necessarily believe that they should go away. I think them being pushed as the vehicle to like save people's lives behind cars is no longer relevant because I think, and especially in this day and age, cars, I, I recently learned about this because most of the vehicles that I've driven 
coming from like a lower middle income family have mostly been older cars. Like I rarely have had a reason to interact with vehicles that are like 2020 or newer for reasons that I won't get into right now. Uh, my wife ended up needing like a loaner vehicle while hers was getting worked on. And she ended up with a 2023 version of her current vehicle. And I was like, cool. Why not? Like we got yeah. it for a little while, and it had so much shit that I didn't know cars <laughs> had in it nowadays. I'm like, bro, like where were all these like 10, 15 years ago? Side airbags, like what? Airbags, like airbags what? For your what toes, is all this? Just in like, case, don't want to break the freaking toes, toes are the freaking like things that warn you when there's a car in your yeah. blind spot, yeah. and like yeah. the the projections that show up on your thing that way you don't have to look down to see your speed. Like mm-hmm. there there are just so many like quality of life improvements, and I'm like, what the hell? Innovations, like, yeah. <laughs> like do. Yes, obviously we want people to wear seatbelts. It, it, it is it is a it is a proponent in the life saving should a crash happen. Mm-hmm. But like we have been tooling these cars to avoid them on their own. Mm-hmm. That there are so many other things now that protect you from a death in a car than just the seatbelt. Because back when the laws were happening, it was just the seatbelt. Basically, if you weren't wearing your seatbelt, you were going to die if you ran into somebody. That was that was cars the way that that works. Traps. Yes, they they <laughs> still kind of are. And so like. In my mind, the reason why the seatbelt laws were pushed as hard as they were, this this has been really long. I'll 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 I'll, I'll tighten this up a little bit. Uh, the 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 reason why seatbelt laws were pushed as hard as they were is because they 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 there weren't many other options to protect people from right. themselves. Now the cars do that rather than the people, and so I don't think necessarily that the seatbelt laws should go away, but they're not nearly as necessary now that the cars are better at protecting people than just the seatbelts. All right, uh, Alex. Alex is locked, loaded. Um, he's always sitting on something. Like I said before. <laughs> so this is people are lying with stats. You're lying with stats. Lies, damn lies, so, and statistics. All right, so all right, so so sorry. So what were those two states? Well, so, so New York I, and California were the tide at the lowest. Oh, New York and California, the city you say? Was the highest, yeah. Huh. All right. Yeah. Uh, so I I wonder what those two. Thing states might have in common, uh, well, they they are the the hosts of like very large urban centers. In fact, like the cultural centers of the United States. So areas where lots of people live, mm-hmm. where there are still lots of vehicles, but lots of vehicles in well lit areas, mm-hmm. and most of them, as I say, most of them in like in a very compact, well lit area. So there are just less accidents. Because people can see and people don't go very fast because yep. most of the space is pretty it's pretty compact. Yep. And say and uh say in contrast to some place like Alabama, which is very let's say let's say predominantly rural let's say rural with large areas in between places where you don't want to put lights on the whole time, so then you might have Lower visibility, or say, um, and that would lead to more accidents, and that would lead to more fatalities. Yep. Regardless of if you're wearing your seatbelt or not. Also, because you have more open space, you are probably a higher speed, and if you are a higher speed, uh, the the kinetic energy of the crash is proportional. It's proportional to the speed squared. 
Right. So higher speed is not like like not linearly. It's it's exponentially more dangerous. Mm-hmm. So we're we're lying. Mm-hmm. We're like well, we're not lying, but let's say, but we're this is what's called a third variable problem. I mean, you have these two things, and you and you're it's like yes, but those two things are are tr- like are correlated with this third variable that you're not accounting for. Mm-hmm. So yes, we should keep seatbelts. Yes, they save lives. Um, this is dumb. This is a very <laughs> stupid discussion to have. <laughs> I naturally agree with that. <laughs> Rancy? Well, I'm going to be dumb. Um, I I look at this as a bigger picture thing. I will probably always wear my... Well, not probably. This part of the way that I drive is natural for me to always wear my seatbelt. But I'm not sure if a law telling people to wear their seatbelt inside of their private vehicle, you know, just like trying to legislate anything inside of anything you own, whether it's your house or your car, is good for us as a society. I think we ought to get to the point where we do good things because it's the right thing to do. And sometimes we train people, or at least the masses, through these laws. I mean, I get it. But the reason why I'm personally not for the law is because of everything that comes with it, all of the requirements that become a burden to people's lives uh, financially, um, all of the the uh, costs that go along with with that law for working people, I think that is is something that we should take into consideration. So, um, I'm for people using their seatbelts. I use my seatbelts. I'm not for the burden, financial burden that this law brings to people's lives. I think that's another part of it that actually probably needs some lip service because even if, if, if it is a law, it has to be enforced. Mm-hmm. And if it is a law, something has to happen when you break it. Mm-hmm. And that matters. Yeah, mm-hmm. I myself have been on the receiving end of a couple different seatbelt-related fines mm-hmm. because I happen to be driving without my seatbelt. And that's what happens. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm not... I, I think that that's definitely something worth considering because mm-hmm. again there there has to be there has to be something there for mm-hmm. it to be a law in the first place. Right. Mm-hmm. There has to be a reason for it to exist. I think that a lot of this came out of a people at one point lobbying for safer vehicles. And you know, this wasn't too far behind uh lobbying for even speed limits. You know, historically we haven't always had the road life that we have today and it does alex brought up a good point it does vary across the country as far as the quality of of automobile life what it's like driving in alabama which i've driven in versus driving in uh, san francisco or la which i've driven in totally totally different i can kick some dirt up where i used to be in alabama but i can't get up good speeds at certain times when i was driving uh, the pretty one-on-one coming into San Francisco, and then the traffic just stopped. You can't. It's hard to have an accident when you sit still. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's a different. It's a it's a different type of existence. So yeah, there's nothing wrong with taking that into consideration. But I guess I'm looking at the fact that laws are often made without consideration of the financial burden that they have on people. You know, sort of like even insurance requirements. Even though I'm paranoid, I'm always going to have insurance. I just think that we need to think about these unfunded mandates that we place on people's lives and how it's going to cause people to, you know, cause a burden. And, you know, people who don't want to wear seatbelts or in the other case insurance, they're not going to get it anyway. They're not going to do it anyway. 
you know, so now they're a criminal if they get pulled over. And that's the one thing you can get people on that that has happened. If that's the one thing you can get them out of the car on and then you can look at other things that can happen. So I just I mean, when I'm thinking about easy ways to get people into the criminal justice system, <laughs> this is one of them. And, and, and so I'm, I'm a big picture person when I'm looking at those sorts of things, because as crazy as it sounds, that does happen. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure does. Absolutely. All right. All right. And with that, we have our poll. As always, polls every Friday, social media, comment, like, share, tell us what you think, yell at us if you think we're wrong. And post in memes. Post in memes. <laughs> We're pro meme. Very pro meme podcast. Very pro meme on this podcast. <laughs> on this network, I would say. I yeah. would say so. Yeah, we, yeah. we are yeah. very pro meme on the, yeah. on the podcast network. Yeah. yeah. What, we're, we're pro memes. <laughs> No, not that. We're not pro that. Whatever it's not a bit. It's not a bit. It's like the baby. The mimes. Okay. No. No. Veto. <laughs> Please. Use the my mammy? political power to veto. <laughs> the memes. The mammy. Now, uh, speaking of the criminal justice system <laughs> and getting people into it, uh, like I said before, this article that we are going to talk about, give some lip service to, was about the history of specifically prisons. And uh, kind of how they came about and some of the things that I think are, are interesting about them. And so I, I have a little I have a little blurb that I'm going to give. And then I'm actually going to start our discussion with a bit of a hot take, at least what I think is a hot Ooh. take. But uh, prisons are, in my opinion, first and foremost, a method of separation, a societal punishment for those who have broken society's rules or are unable to or are unwilling to live by them. The idea of rehabilitation in those prisons is uniquely a modern one. As for the majority of human civilization, prisons were effectively used as a method of leaving people to rot and separating them from society. In the past, fines were imposed on those who broke rules, and the prisons were used to hold those who either couldn't pay those fines, couldn't pay their debts, or just generally committed larger offenses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's your hot take. Yeah. Well, no, that's not my hot take. That's my general spiel. Okay, uh, I, I kind of left some thing there in case somebody wanted to say something. Yeah. Or yeah. okay, my hot take. Yes, and this is uh, this feels very weird given some of the other things that I've said on the show and whatnot. But bear with me if I need to dig into this a bit further. I can. I don't think. That prisons, penitentiaries, etc., are bad by design. I think they're poorly implemented and have been consistently abused throughout their lifetime. That's my hot take. I disagree. You're allowed. <laughs> uh, we've said before, and I will continue to reiterate: user error is design error. <laughs> That's is a your, lot of AI brain again. <laughs> uh, elaborate, Alex. Um, both, both of you. I would like to hear both of you elaborate. <laughs> so, okay. Um, so, okay, pocket knives. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, say, for, um, so I say, uh, when you, you say there, you say you can flick, like, you can flick them, uh, I say, you can't, like, flick them open. Like on accident, and mm-hmm. in, in, like anymore, because they've been designed with a with a defense, uh, like with a like with a protective mechanism 
in place where let's say like it's like you have you have to like push something in in order to like to like to flip it out and it can like and can like you have to push that back in to like to like to put it back and well that's because if you say if you allow if we if we didn't include this people would stab themselves on like on purpose or on, like on or let's say typically probably on accident you could still stab yourself on purpose right. but uh say like, but you'd stab yourself on accident like really easily so we want to say we want to prevent that so user error stabbing myself on accident getting myself stabbed on accident is a design problem. I need to change the way that my object is. If people are ex commonly experiencing this error, I need to change the way that my object, my thing is designed so that they don't do this. Mm -hmm. You see, but what happens if they are using it in that way, which is counter to how it's designed? Like Then it was still designed poorly. Yeah, but like if you design a knife... And you don't like you, you design a knife for the purposes of, say, cutting food and people stab other people with it. You can't you can't stop people from stabbing other people with your knife. Um, but I could make it harder. I could reduce the size of this. I could reduce the size of the, the like the size of the knife. And so even if you do. So it's still but suitable it reduces... for cutting things. Right. But I say but when you stab people. And say the the say the say it's more say it's more shallow. I can make it say I can make it clean instead of jagged, mm -hmm. so that if like so that it's like a nice like it can be easily sutured, mm -hmm. and doesn't you know like get caught on like like on the say and like cause like dish like uh deformations like at, like as you stab like these are other design principles that I can apply to. I can't stop it from being misused, but I can. Make I can make that abuse or misuse harder to do and minimize the harm thereof. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. All right. Is that, this is a satisfactory? Uh, I get where you're coming from. The goat. <laughs> Does uh, it satisfy the goat? I don't know. He doesn't look satisfied. He looks quizzical. Not in the context of prisons, no. <laughs> because I think the nature of the thing matters. I think the nature of prisons is bad and cannot be anything other than bad. and can never be. The nature of a prison is to deprive the imprisoned of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That is the nature of imprisonment, right? In doing so, this is done because the people in the prison have been assigned less value than the people out of the prison. This is why you justify taking their fundamental rights away from them. By virtue of not having power, you have created a power imbalance between them and the people who are assigned to watch them. This power imbalance makes it inevitable that the population inside will be subjected to harms at the hands of their overseers. Now, sure, you could try to hire better people. But the power imbalance is part of the structure of the thing. That cannot be that can the nature of the thing cannot be changed. So you're so, saying as though their their rights and liberties and freedoms are permanently denied even after they survive prison or are are released from prison or however you would say it. They don't have to be, but while they're inside prison, right, those rights are removed from them. They do not have the right to pursue happiness. They do not have the right, right to liberty. Mm -hmm. So they have been deprived of these fundamental basic things. That leads to you to that leads you down a certain road, um, which makes I don't think like with your pocket knife. 
I don't think you can improve the prison to the point where the nature of the prison itself changes because imprisonment is what it is. It is like we are trying to intentionally deprive you of the things you most hold dear, your liberty and the ability to operate, to pursue your happiness. And that is exactly the reason why I think prisons are being misused. I think that we have attributed too much to like how prisons are being used and not what they can be used for, in my personal opinion. But that's what I mean. The nature of a prison dictates the ways in which it can be used because it is the thing itself. It is like the it is like the the soul of imprisonment only dictates it can be used in an abusive way. So are you saying that we should do away with the prisons? You know from talking to me that I am extremely <laughs> anti-incarceration. <laughs> like I am I am So let me ask you this question friend to friend. Yeah. All right. If someone um, does something to a family member yeah. of yours, one of your children, God yeah. forbid, or your wife, um, that causes them traumatic trauma or harm. Yeah. Um, and what do you want to have happen? So I have said, I think prisons play can play a role in a society mm-hmm. because of the need for justice mm-hmm. and of the need to potentially separate dangerous individuals and put them somewhere where they are separated Mm -hmm. from potential victims Mm -hmm. and hopefully rehabilitated. Mm -hmm. But while I acknowledge the necessity of prisons, that doesn't change the nature of prisons themselves. You know, I just wanted to further understand. It's like Mm -hmm. what you mentioned with seatbelts or what we talked about. What you know, when you think about why do we ban smoking in certain places, we acknowledge Mm -hmm. that we are depriving someone of something. Right. And we hope that the gain is larger than loss. Mm -hmm. But you can't change the nature of imprisonment. Mm -hmm. Now, I have said before, you know, we've talked that I we are. The misuse of prisons, to your point, the overly long sentencing, the extremely punitive nature of them where we, you know, stack, 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 stack charges on top of one another. Right. That is made possible by the inherent power imbalance. Because there's they're they're never you're never going to have enough advocates on the side of the imprisoned, like say or to cycle to a like say we uh, something we discussed in the previous episode and just being like, well, I will accept I will plead guilty to crimes I did not commit because Mm -hmm. the alternative is X years say X years right in I say in prison, I will do anything to avoid that. Yes. So the legal system has a reason to keep prisons in horrifying conditions because it makes the job of prosecution uh, as simple as a rubber stamping. Ninety four percent of state cases, I think, are decided by plea deals. It's like ninety seven percent of federal. Yeah. If prisons weren't so miserable, that number would go down. But they are there is an incentive to keep prisons as horrifying as humanly possible. It means your prosecutors are little more than paper pushers. <laughs> well, I was gonna say it would mean you're saying I mean your DAs would have to try cases. Yeah, but now they, they don't. They couldn't say they couldn't. They they they'd have to spend time that they were right. that would be campaign. They would be campaigning. Right. They would have to spend that time doing their doing job. their job. Right. Would, and this is before we even be get into the the profit stuff. This is just the nature of imprisonment mm-hmm. is horrifying. 
even under the best of circumstances, if I said to you, you have broken the law, Mm -hmm. I will imprison you in your house for 10 years, even in your house, you would go, damn, really? Even if you could stay in your home, like you cannot leave your home for 10 years, you are confined to that space. You would go, well, like that's the best possible space I could be confined to, but still, damn. Mm-hmm. To be confined in my house for 10 years? Well, it's, well, it's, it's also, it's inherent. <laughs> socially, it is also just, it's inherently, Correct. it's inherently unjust. Correct. So, um, we play, I say, so if you say if i brutally murder one person that's you know say that's typically you know like 20 like 20 years is like the is like the standard going rate like minimum mm-hmm. okay but if i uh employ a series of financial decisions that ruin the lives of millions of people eh, here's a right. here's some fines Right, mm. right. And so the, you're talking about the inequities. I guess you're kind right. of talking about that. Right, too. but also the social nature of it. I mean, you know, to go deeper into it, it prisons also deprive you of the social connections you need to flourish and grow and but maybe change. But isn't that the point, though? Isn't the, isn't the well, deprivation well, no. part of the... Well, no, just to play devil's advocate, because I know where you're going to go and then jump <laughs> in on this point. Isn't the point of prison to deprive someone who's deprived others of their rights? Well, that's well, no, that's not what our that's not the legal the like standard for punishment. The legal standard for punishment is to prevent future is to prevent future harm of the person that is already uh, committed. Like, well, uh, no, crime, no, right? to society, right? To society by this person, and so right. to okay, in order to prevent future thing. harm. We will say we like we will do things. This is not like a vengeance thing. You wronged. No, no, no. I'm not trying to say vengeance per se. And I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm basically trying to say what you said. I just didn't say it as eloquently. You're depriving this person of these rights, but you're also keeping them from continuing to commit future violence like the son of Sam person or pick your favorite criminal, you know, or pick your person who who's made a mistake and maybe not like that. But just, you know what I'm saying? But but isn't. So okay, so you have a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. Well, why are they dealing drugs? Well, they're dealing drugs because they don't have a like because they don't see an alternative, and this was a way of like this is a way of continuing to pay the bills and keeping the family fed and keeping a roof over our head. Mm-hmm. But we're not interested in well, let's provide lower income housing, or let's see if we can hook you up with a let's see if uh, we can hook you up with a job, or we can put you in a say a better paying job or let's try to put you in a position to teach you skills so that you can go out and do things. So a lot of the prisons, not a lot of them, there are a lot of prisons that do have prison to work programs, especially for people who are most people who go to prison, whether people realize this or not, are not in there for life. They don't have death sentences. The majority of people in prison will come out. And so people are encouraged to complete their education if they haven't already done so. If, if their particular prison offers programs for job training, they do so. Some of them even offer college courses. And, and so it, it just really depends. And I don't have those stats prepared for this discussion. But And all of those are very contentious programs. They're cont- every, I say, every time a, like a prison tries to implement such a thing or, so, or you know, a college tries to do something to help people get a leg up, the argument from the populace is always, but we don't get that. 
we don't get those services. Why are they getting those services in as a uh, when they are to be like when they are being punished when they are being isolated, right? But right. we don't get access to. I, them. I think the one in the in researching the article, and you are right. The populist there is a part of our populist that speaks up and says, "Hey, we don't get free education. Why don't they get free education? Or we don't get free health care, and they get free health care." And there was a a case that made front page, if you will, because there was someone who was going through transgender reassignment mm-hmm. who was a prisoner, and that person thankfully was able to get the medical care that they needed. But the majority of people that were polled and you talked to do recognize that people have to have a life when they come out. And you do want the reentry process to be as successful as possible so that they will not be in a position where they feel the need to recommit and that where they can be at the most successful in society, the highest contributor to society. For me personally, I want them to get all, you know, you don't know the backgrounds or backstories of some folks. Some people have great family lives and they just, good people make bad decisions every day. And some people are truly a product of whatever environment they've come from. I want them to have the time that they need to take whatever that is to think about the mistake. But I don't believe mistakes should hang over people like that for forever. I think people ought to have time. We ought to show grace. And at one time in our history, people tried to institute grace into the prison system, believe it or not. Um, and that's where the whole reformatory concept was was born, you know, uh, giving people an opportunity to be redeemed or redeem themselves to society. And I think most reasonable people would be OK with that. But you're right. There are some loud talkers who talk about anything that has to do with prison. They want prison to just be a dungeon. Well, that's true. And while that's true, I don't... Not to defend those people. <laughs> I'll say unreasonable people. But I feel like there are plenty of reasonable positions to say that there's, there's not a reason that people in say in prison should be be treated better mm-hmm. than people outside let's say like it's an inherent like it's an inherent paradox mm-hmm. where say where we value your li- say where we value your life in prison and we value your well-being but we don't value but we don't express that same value if you're outside of prison mm-hmm. i think a lot of that goes and i know we're short on time i think that goes into the whole justice discussion Uh, Trying to quantify people's need for justice sounds a lot like one of you mentioned it sounds a lot more like some version of revenge. Well, so there there is that. But like my greater point just being that, again, in prison, your life has a your life has value. And we say and we will and we will protect it because you're like you're a ward of the state. And so like we have to do that. Mm -hmm. But if you're outside of prison, you're just a citizen. The state has no interest in protecting your life. Mm. And there's mm. some tension there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I get Understand. that. I get what you're saying. Yeah, okay. Okay. Now, with the last bit of time that we have, I want to ask one more question. And this is just a yes or no question. Anthony. You can expand upon your answers if you want to. <laughs> but again, we're short on time. <laughs> so, obviously, the, the general idea of prison nowadays is, is the aspect of rehabilitation. We want to take these people who have committed something make them better, and then release them back into society. Do we believe that rehabilitation is possible? Yes. Yes. 
Mostly, yes. I'll, th- I'll throw in some caveats. So I can't, and I say, uh, one of my favorite quotes is that um, I can avoid anything except temptation. <laughs> and so, uh, in, like in some instances, just being like, the answer is like, can people be, you know, be reformed and like do better? Well, yes. But also, people are products of their environment. And you, and let's say, and some people should just not, should just be denied the ability to be tempted. If you are, and say, if you're a CEO who has shown that you are willing to put people, you say your bottom line above people's lives, you just shouldn't be able to be a CEO anymore. You should just be forced into a position where you don't have power and authority over people. So that that may go against their ability to seek their That's own personal too bad. freedoms. That's too bad. Wow. Society can't tell, let's say you have shown that like this is a, like that you will hurt people. Mm-hmm. This is harm mitigation. I mean, I can see a point to your to what you're stating, especially when you're dealing with people with certain there conditions are, say, or the way they think and see the world. There's something else going on. There are lots of other things that you can do and lots of other things that you can pursue that don't give you power over people. Mm. You don't just say you've shown that you can't handle that responsibility. So you don't get it. I get that. I think there's some truth there. Yeah. I also say yes. That, that is, that is also my answer. Um, I mean, mine is full stop. Yes. Like unqualified. Yes. So is mine. <laughs> so is mine. But I, I get what you're saying. But I'm still going to hang on. I'm going to hang out with the Sunshine Gang. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, another kind of interesting part to this that I want to go ahead and bring up was there's a show that me and my wife recently got into on Netflix called I Am a Killer. Mm-hmm. And it we it kind of hits on a lot of these these kinds of discussions about like, you know, people being products of their environment, doing right. things that they may or may not regret, uh, and the the nature of death penalty, life sentences, all that kind of things, and the reality of living in that scenario. And if you haven't seen that, I definitely think it's worth a watch, even even yeah, just to like get an idea of what it looks like from the inside to get the words from the mouths of the people who have committed the crimes is very, very interesting to say the least. It humanizes, but it it doesn't make excuses. It doesn't sugarcoat. For sure. It does not. Because again, some of those people are not sorry for their crimes. And I, I would question whether or not some of those people could be rehabilitated, but I do believe that the option should exist for everyone. And with that being said, this podcast has been brought to you in part by El Yag Productions, studio for podcasters and musicians, and of course, Pointcast News. To listen to any of our other podcasts, please go visit our website at Pointcast.news, where you can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Also, be sure to like and follow us on Facebook for more podcasts, articles, and the poll of the ones we covered today. Thank you guys for joining me. Thank you all at home for listening. We'll see you next time. Josh out.